I come to the garden alone While the year is still on the roses And the voice I hear calling on my ear The Son of God is close continues to exist within us and it 
loves the world because it's earthly. It's of the world. It is subject to and is living in the curse that God placed upon Adam and Eve because of their sin. Because they disrespected God and His one rule that we have record of was not to eat of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We saw where Satan went against God, thought he was equal with God, and or wanted to be equal with God, as he still does. He, through the woman, tempted mankind to rebel against God. That nature, to an extent, still exists within us. But we saw in our study that we can gain strength in the realization that we are sealed inside and outside. We naturally think that we have the ability to control everything and even to control ourselves. But I feel sure that each of us have had an incident when we realized we were out of control, that we let ourselves venture into thought, words, maybe even actions that we knew we didn't want to do because they were wrong. But when we realize that even our natural uh, attractions to the world and our natural uh, desire not to be controlled and ruled by another, meaning God himself, we realize that God is in control. We are in his loving hand. And he's not going to let us go even though our natures are against him. When he saved us, back to the sealing of the Holy Spirit, he put his spirit within us. I know that's beyond the uh, ability to really grasp humanly. We have our spirit, but if we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. We were unable to do that without Him. Realize that. The Bible teaches us man cannot please God, but He gives us His Spirit, and His Spirit is stronger than our nature. And He lives within us. It's Him, and we pointed out that the Holy Spirit is a person And we need to think of him as a person. Not just uh, thoughts of like the wind blowing in the trees. And that is an example of the Holy Spirit that God used. Because we don't know where the Holy Spirit goes. We don't know who this gospel is going to be made effectual to. We don't know whose heart he's going to change. But he does. We talked a little bit about, we asked the question, was Noah's preaching successful? There were probably millions of people on earth in that day. A lot of times, because it's so early uh, in the existence of mankind, we think there's just a few people. But no, I believe that when you look at how long they lived and how often they had children, there were millions of people on earth in that day. Noah's preaching was successful because there were eight people that God saved. 
That's a remnant, isn't it? The Bible talks about uh, how the Lord saves a remnant of the population of mankind. Noah's wife believed. Ham, Shem, and Japheth believed. And their wives believed. What did they believe? Did they believe Noah? They believed the Word of God that came through Noah. <coughs> Ephesians 1 and 4. We see that we are chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. There's another thought that the human mind has a lot of trouble grasping that God could actually know all of us before He even created Adam. (coughs) But the foundation of the world, and we find it in Genesis 1, was before Adam and Eve were created. He has always known you. Not always known about you, but He's always known you because you were in Adam as an offspring when He created Adam. That's pretty deep, isn't it? But it's true. That's how magnificent God really is. His ways are past finding out. All right. Today, is our preaching successful? Well, our job is to obey God. We have been sent to spread the gospel, haven't we? Let's look in the book of Mark this morning. Again, our study of Noah's Ark is branching us off into other scriptures because there's so much truth there. And I love the study of types and shadows anyway. But there are so many types and shadows going on in the account of Noah's Ark that pertain to and apply to us today. So in Mark chapter 4, chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, the thought is preaching being successful. We said that Noah's preaching was definitely successful. Why? Because salvation is not a group thing, although there are groups of us. It is an individual thing where God saves you individually. He knew you. He knows you now. He'll know you forever. It's an individual thing. I can't save you. I can't convince you. I can't open your ears and eyes so that you realize that God is your Savior. That takes the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Mark chapter 4 and verse 1. I will kind of, my plan is to kind of go over this whole chapter, kind of skipping around. But Lord willing, we'll be able to make our points. Mark chapter 4 and verse 1, And he began to teach by the seaside, this is the Lord, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship. And he sat in the sea, on the ship, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables. And he said unto them in his doctrine, 
lot of people don't like to hear about doctrine today, but that is simply the teachings of God. It's His teaching. He said this unto them. He said, hearken. We notice that word, hearken. It pretty much means stop and listen, doesn't it? Hey, check this out. Hey, everybody, attention. Listen. Hearken. Behold. Check this out. There went out a sower to sow. Now, we'll see here that he's talking about a farmer who went out to plant seeds. A sower who went out to plant seeds. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun came up, when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Some fell on among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit because of it. What it needed was taken by others. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now notice verse 10. And when he was alone, they that were about him, his disciples, with the twelve, asked of him the parable. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And he said unto them, verse 11, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Unto you. God has a particular people, doesn't he? We don't know who they are. Of course not. That's why he commissioned us to preach to every creature. But he knows. When his word goes out, whether it's in this building or it's over the internet, it goes all over the world, God's still in control. He knows who's going to listen to it. He knows who's going to have the ears to hear it. In other words, He knows who He's going to reveal the gospel to. And He said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without. All these things are done in parables. Stories, likenesses, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. That's also us before God reveals Himself to us, isn't it? They didn't understand, and they were the twelve and others. But then God reveals to them the meaning of of the parable. Alright. Verse 12 said that seeing they may see and not perceive. They won't understand. They won't realize what it means. And hearing they may hear but not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Well what does that mean? Well the Bible says that God quickens us. The word quicken there, when you look it up, you'll see it means to make alive. That's literally 
what it means. And that's what converted means. Change. Given ears to hear spiritually. Given eyes to see spiritually. To understand what God is saying in any particular part of His Word. Alright, verse 13. And He said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then will you know all parables? This one is, he, I believe he's saying this one is so simple. If you don't get this one, you're going to have trouble with a lot of my words unless you are converted so that you understand. And he opens their eyes, he opens their ears, and he explains the parable. Verse 14, the sower soweth the word. What did Noah preach? He preached salvation is of the Lord, and the Lord has provided this ark to save us from the flood that has been uh, prophesied to come. The sower soweth the word. The Word is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Word is the Word of God. Who is the sower? Those that the husbandman, the Bible calls him, the farmer, the owner of all that's being uh, discussed, calls to go out and sow the seed. That's the preacher's call to preach the gospel. That's what he's telling them. The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside. So the word of God goes out, just like this sower goes out and plants seed, but he just throws them everywhere. Who are we supposed to preach to at Sovereign Grace Baptist Church? Everyone, the whole world, right? And we seek to do so. And God provides and leads us to do this to everyone. Is everyone that hears it going to be converted and quickened and saved? Well, according to the Lord's parable and His explanation of the parable, no. He has a remnant, as He did with the eight souls that He placed in the ark. All right, verse 14, The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. Remember, He said that some... Went by the wayside. But when they heard the word, Satan came. Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. That happens. The natural man is led by Satan. He is. He naturally follows the way of Satan, which is against God, wanting to be equal with God. And through all kinds of means on this earth, Satan instills that in the mind, doesn't he? He does. We don't want somebody ruling over us. We want to be the ruler. We want to make our decisions. We want to control what we think, say, and do, and where we go. 
But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise, more seed that's been thrown out, that land on stony ground. And these are they, verse 16, likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. And so they endure but for a time. Maybe turn over a new leaf, but can't stay in that change. They have no root in themselves. They endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the Word's sake, and it will, won't it? Right. Most all of us that have been uh, saved realize that most of our friends, even family members, are like, yeah, right. I know you, right. Yeah, I know better than that. They don't believe that we've been saved. And affliction and persecution through them in our lives comes. It arises for the Word's sake because you believe the Word of God. Immediately, because of that, they are offended. And these are they, verse 18, which are sown among thorns, such as hear the Word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, Entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So they don't grow in the word. They don't continue to seek God. The deceitfulness of riches, it makes people feel like they don't need anybody. I don't need any help. I'm fine on my own. But it's a lie, isn't it? Yeah. Started in the garden. When Satan said, Oh, did God say that? Oh, he just don't want you to be as smart as he is. That's basically what he said. All these things that have effects on our daily lives enter in the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things. Oh boy. We love the things of this world, don't we? Verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So the Lord is explaining what He meant when He told them in verse 11, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them which are without, all these things are done in parables. That they may see, but not see. They may hear, but not understand, not perceive. Now He's got down to those who will see who will hear, who will perceive, 
receive, understand, have the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, And these are they which are sown on good ground. So when we preach to the world, we throw seed, the Word of God, everywhere, don't we? And it lands in all these different places in people's lives. You see the explanation? You see what he's saying? And these are which are sown on good ground. The other ground was not good. Such as hear the word and receive it. I'm glad it doesn't say accept right there. It says receive, doesn't it? Are we responsible to believe? We are. These are these are two doctrines that live side by side, and yet mankind wants to divide them up. And that is that we are responsible to believe as human beings. We can look up in the sky and see there's a God. Somebody put those stars up there. Somebody keeps that sun from burning us up. We're responsible to believe, yet when we do, it is revealed to us, we realize that God was in control all along. And that we believe because He saves us. He changes us. It takes Him to do it, doesn't it? And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Praise God. So what, or should I say, where is good ground? We looked at stony ground. We've looked at thorns. We've looked at all these different places where there was no earth. So what's different about good ground? Well, I know that we've we've taught this before here, but we're going to teach it again this morning. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve walked with God. They walked on ground. And God walked on ground with them. That ground in the Garden of Eden was holy. Why? Because God was there. The presence of God introduces holiness, doesn't it? Absolutely. When Moses saw the burning bush and it was a presence of God illustrated in a burning bush that didn't burn up. God told him to take his shoes off, didn't he? And he told him why. He said, because the ground on which you stand is holy ground. Why? Because God was present there. What makes good ground in a heart? It's the presence of God, isn't it? When He saves us, what did I say earlier that He does? He puts His Spirit within us. So God's present in you. It's important that we realize that. Because without God, we can't do anything, can we? No. We won't produce any spiritual fruits. 
These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit. How do we receive it? By revelation from God Himself. The Holy Spirit of God is given to us. He lives within us. So important that we realize that this morning. He lives within us. That constitutes what? Good ground. Will the Word grow in good ground and produce fruit? Absolutely. Every time. Every time. Without fail. How can you say that? Because God is a sovereign God. He's in control of salvation. We praise Him that He is in control. We praise Him that there is a Lamb's book of life and that He has a remnant of people in that Lamb's book of life. And how many of those will He lose? None. More parables about the lost sheep. He will lose none. God knows us inside and out. He knows our ability to comprehend. And that's something that He gives us. Over in verse, let's see, 30. Still in Mark, I told you we were going to skip around. We're still in Mark chapter 4, verse 30. And He said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? He's still teaching the same thing. But in another parable about the kingdom of God. It is like a grain of mustard seed, verse 31, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. It's little. It's a small percentage. But when it is sown, it grows up. It groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Oh, I tell you, when God applies His Word and He saves a soul, it's greater than anything earthly. It's eternal life with Him. It's safety from the destruction that is coming because God has promised it. And with many such parables, 33, spake He the Word unto them as they were able to hear as they were able to hear. Is a natural man able to hear? Not to the point where he receives it. No. With the natural man, the seed is going to fall in thorny places. It's going to fall in stony places. And it's not going to be profitable or fruitful. Oh, but with that new man that God creates when He saves us. The Word has an effect, doesn't it? It grows. And it grows and it never stops growing. It grows into eternal life. Oh, we have a marvelous Savior this morning. Let's give Him the honor and praise that He deserves. Lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Today is a day of salvation. There is no other name ever been named by which we must be saved. Only through Jesus Christ and our 
confidence and trust in what He did on the cross of Calvary for us. He's a marvelous Savior.